Blog Talk Radio. Hey guys, it's Richard Diaz. We're back. It's Friday. Got a good show for you today. It's one we've brought back from the archive about dealing with injuries using kinesiology tape. I've got Dr. Stephen Capobianco on with me. This is a great show for anybody that's had issues with injuries related to running or obstacle racing or CrossFit, this type of thing. Really want to pay attention to this. And I want to also remind you that to subscribe to our show, to get the benefits of all the cool stuff we provide, aside from just the shows, go to www.naturalrunningnetwork.com. And our sponsors, Mio Alpha and Mio Global, are putting on a a special discount for the new Mio Fuse. Get a whole $25 off between now and Father's Day. So I hope you take advantage of that, and it's time to do this show. Let's go. Welcome to the Natural Running Network. We are brought to you by Mio, makers of the world's first strapless heart rate monitor sports watches, and MedHab, makers of RPM Squared, an innovative system of gait analysis that slips right into your running shoes. My name is Richard Diaz. I am your host. Are you a runner? Do you love to get out and challenge yourself? Running your first marathon or maybe caught the bug of obstacle racing? Well, sit tight because this is a show you just don't want to miss. Good morning, everybody from the West Coast. It's me again, Friday morning. What a beautiful day it is. I'll tell you what, I hate to gloat, but I mean, looking out the window right now, it is forming up to be just a beautiful day. And a great weekend ahead for us. We have uh, a few of our clients going to run the Big Sur Marathon, and we've elected to come up and support them. I know that there's a few people that would not be happy if I wasn't at least somewhere along the road at the 22-mile mark with my whip to get them to get across that line, you know, when they're starting to feel a little uh, put out by the work they've been doing. So it's going to be a great weekend. If you've never been to the Big Sur Marathon, it is spectacular. The uh, the whole Pfeiffer State Park through the Sequoias, uh, right along the, the, the beautiful coastline of uh, Northern California, it is absolutely awesome. I'm looking forward to it. I ran that race 25 years ago, and I haven't been back to run it since. And uh, it's, you know, if I was to have a bucket list, if I was to choose one more race to do, that would absolutely be the one. I'm not kidding. The most spectacular uh, scenery you could ever imagine for an event like that. So today's show, today's show, we have Dr. Stephen Capobianco. Dr. Steve is the author of The Facial Movement Taping Method. He developed this concept of kinesiology taping for athletes, and he has shouldered up with the great people at Rock Tape. Shout out to Greg Vanderdries, who's the founder of Rock Tape, 
these guys have single-handedly revolutionized the whole concept of movement taping. And if you're a runner, and I'm assuming you are, that's why you're listening today, you owe it to yourself to pay very close attention to the conversation we are about to have. Because when you understand the benefits and the methodology that is associated with applying this kinesiology tape to your body, injured or otherwise, incidentally, it's really fascinating. I, I've been using the taping strategies myself for many years. And uh, anyway, I'm going to just stop talking. I'm going to get Dr. Steve on the on the line here. Dr. Steve, good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. How are you? You know, I'm doing well. It's uh, It's been a long time since I've seen or spoke with you. It's got to be easily a year or two since we met and since we've had the opportunity to work together. Now, Steve, I know, because I've got my ear to the ground, that you guys have been virtually all over the planet educating people, physical therapists and people in the medical profession, coaches and what have you, on the use and benefits of the taping strategies that you profess. How's that going? Uh, it's going. It, it's going is the best way I can put it. It is um, flooding uh, our office every day um, with new inquiry from um, just this year. We're getting some input from South Africa, Brazil, um, Chile, and and just people that are interested in, in learning more about kinesiology taping since uh, it's relatively new. Even though it's been around 30 years, it's still a new. Uh, methodology in respect to sports and performance care. Um, so we're, we're inundated with a lot of inquiry about how we can get the, the model of movement taping into different countries around the world. Well, I have to tell you, Stephen, and, and I know I don't need to tell you, but I'm, I'm actually speaking to the audience uh, right. to you. Uh, I've been taping my athletes for years now. I've taped people pre-event for marathons and what have you. Uh, I've got my first aid kit. I'll probably bring my bag of tape and tools to the uh, Big Sur Marathon this weekend because I'll have people that will, you know, they know me now, and and odds are they'll ask if if they're having some issues or um, I'll help them. And I'll tell you what, I've had many occasions where someone come to me with some issues with their Achilles or the calf or their knee or IT band syndrome, Leading up to an event, I'd catch them uh, pre-event and tape them, and they'd come looking for me after the event and just blown away by the fact that they were able to perform pain-free during an event. I mean, i got to tell you, I, I've been banging the drum loud and hard about what you guys do. I, I think the research is, is supporting this now, too. You know, Before, it used to be just like you said, Rich, is um, anecdotal um conversations like that of an athlete being taped or an individual being taped, not even an athlete, but someone just that's having lower back pain, for example, in, in a working uh, in a working space, uh, raving about the effects of a simple piece of tape on your skin having an effect on pain, but sometimes on performance as well. Let's so, visit this from a standpoint of explaining really what this is all about. And I think, you know, when you did your workshop with us a couple years back, the thing that you said that really drove the point home for me was that the skin on the body is the largest organ we have, 
and there are more nerve endings associated with our skin than any other region on our body. Is that correct? That's right. And so having the influence of this tape, just the kinesthetic awareness alone, has uh, has massive implication in respect to how our bodies function. Is that pretty accurate? I would say so, yes. Okay. So if you could, for our audience's sake, just kind of give the broad stroke, down and dirty, how you would envision this tape being a factor in injuries. Well, uh, let's let's first talk about what this tape is. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions of what kinesiology tape is, and it's been around, like I said, for 30 years, but not very well known here in the western side of the world. So, so there there is a misconception of what this tape really does because we're so used to what we've been trained to accept in taping, which is uh, rigid taping, uh, cotton athletic tape, zinc oxide tape, the tape that typically will block movement. This tape isn't the same type of um, modality. This is an elastic tape. Uh, it's cotton and nylon woven together to create an elastic um, uh, therapeutic tape with an acrylic-based glue. So it's a tape that's applied to your skin that mimics what skin does. It has the same elasticity, if you will. It's, it's, it's uh, manufactured to be the same thickness of skin to be applied onto the body to to remain on the body for three to five days. So it's a tape that, that um, persists for 24 hours a day for three to five days. As we talked about the skin, I, I think this is an important thing to communicate is that we're affecting the skin and the skin only. Um, we're stimulating those mechanoreceptors is what they'll call them. And there's hundreds and hundreds of different mechanoreceptors that are being stimulated from each strip of tape applied to your skin. And the skin is the system of, of receptors that communicates with the brain. Um, the brain and the skin are highly uh, connected. They are built from the same germ layer when we're developed. Um, and so whatever we do to the skin has an effect on the brain. So it communicates to the brain where we are in space. So if we're talking about a runner that's having pain with uh, over-striding, say, um, in their running gait, if we can stimulate a certain area of their body via their skin with a simple piece of tape to communicate with their brain saying, hey, listen, you're over-striding, you're putting strain on structures, that uh, are being overloaded from overstriding, uh, the tape can have a significant effect on decreasing pain by changing your mechanics. Um, if I can go further, the tape has added benefit. It, it adds a, a decompressive effect, it, what we call a biomechanical lifting effect. Because of the elasticity and applied onto your skin in a certain way, it has the ability to lift the skin and the different fascial layers underneath the skin away from the muscle. And what this does is it improves the, the fluid dynamics, improves uh, edema, it improves, improves blood flow to a specific area, and improves the, the regenerative properties uh, of the tissue that are being stressed. I want to back you up just for a second because one of the elements that has been really a tough sell for me, and quite frankly, between you and I, I don't visit this aspect of taping uh, by any stretch as often as you do, Right. But you said something very interesting here, okay? So we're talking about overstriding. And, and anybody that has been a student of running of the last few years 
has come to realize that overstriding is the devil in running. It is the principal element in injury associated with endurance athletes running. Right. And so I'm going to I'm going to speculate here, and you correct me if I'm wrong. But you're saying that the, through this kinesthetic awareness, the brain communicating with the skin or vice versa, I'm assuming that what you're saying is that to to help to abate an overstride, you would potentially put a strip of tape down the backside of the kinetic chain. So maybe even from the hip all the way down to the to the back of the calf. Is that wrong? It's not wrong. It's exactly right. In fact, that's exactly what I do with my overstriders, evaluating their movement, uh, evaluating that they are overstriders. And, and as you know, um, it's hard to con- convince people. We're, we're kinesthetic beings. We're visual learners, if you will. And, and it's hard to convince somebody that they're an overstrider. But by putting a, a, a strip of tape on that posterior kinetic chain, on that back kinetic chain that you described, it can give them the feedback when they start to overstride. They get that cue from the skin that gives them an awareness of where they are in space and helps them correct it. So I got a client, by the way, up in New York. You know, great guy, and uh, and I know he's listening right now. So I'm going to shout out to Dennis Casey. Uh, he listens. He's a fan of the show. You know, he he's a musician. He travels all over the world, and. Um, He's been having issues, uh, plantar fasciitis. He's been having some problems. And so he's been sending me these video clips of him running. And I'm trying, you know, at this distance, I'm trying to, you know, cue him up to let him know what he's doing wrong. And he's been using the tape uh, to help to abate some of the issues having with the fasciitis. But I would think this is a great idea for him. So, Dennis, if you're listening, get your wife to run a, a strip of tape down your backside it may help to influence the way you're moving through space. So that's that's a great tip, by the way, Steve. I, I'm I'm really glad you brought that up because I spend a lot of time dealing with people that are their principal issue with their injuries associated with overstriding. If you, if, you, if I can just add in one more yeah. thing, and it, because you're communicating this with uh, with a radio show is you know we we can talk about concepts and talk about you know how we envision using the tape for different mechanical issues or even different pain syndromes, but if people are looking for you know application, we may get into this further, Richard. But um, yeah. but in respect to you know utilizing the tape and and how easy it is to apply to the body, you can go online uh, rocktape.com and you, we'll talk about this later, I'm sure. But uh, there are videos online that you can follow along with. Um, there's plenty of resources to be able to figure out how to apply this tape. Uh, in fact, uh, next week we're doing a photo and video shoot to, to better communicate uh, these uh, kinetic chain taping, if you will, um, just like we're discussing on overstride taping, uh, just to give people a better understanding of how easy it is to apply, just to give them some feedback. You can go to rocktape.com. There's plenty of videos there that can give you some information on how to apply the tape. And I have a lot of people that I refer them there all the time. Right. You know, I, again, I, I spend a lot of time taping, you know, not by design, incidentally. I just find that when people come to me and they're having issues, it just has been my go-to application. It seems to be – I'll share with you a story um, since we've got a couple minutes and it's about you, really. I have a young soccer player uh, that I, I work with soccer players. And this soccer player, uh, when I met him, I believe he was, uh, I don't know, 14, 13 years old. And his mother actually was the coach, the team coach. 
she brought him to me because the kid was slow. You know, he just didn't move well. And, you know, so we started working with him. I started doing some overspeed stuff. I corrected his gait, and I got him moving in multiple planes and improving his balance, coordination, and speed. And the kid really became an amazing soccer player over the years. You know, it's interesting. These people fall away from me, and I don't hear or see them for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you get an email from his mom. You know, it's basically help. He twisted his ankle, and uh, he had an opportunity. He was chosen out of all the, the goalies in his soccer league to participate in this Olympic development program. But he he was going to be scouted that weekend. There was a game that he needed to attend. He needed to play. And if he wasn't able to play, he missed that opportunity. And the, the, the downside of this is that if he missed that opportunity, he missed out on the scholarship potentials that were available to him. I mean, it was just a known entity that if he showed up and, and was to make this Olympic uh, development uh, program, that he could just write his ticket in almost any school he wanted to on an athletic scholarship. And so here it is, uh, Sunday, and he, uh, he twisted his ankle and could not bear weight on his ankle. And he needed to perform on Sunday, seven days later. And you know, with a strain or a sprain like this, a week out is just never enough time to get yourself back to a place where, uh, obviously enough to be able to perform at a level that is going to get you noticed. So I, uh, took him on Monday. Uh, we did some work. Uh, we did some electrical muscle stem, and I put some tape on his ankle. We actually used some rock sauce, too, the, the application of the rock sauce over the tape to try to proliferate this healing. And he came to me every day to be taped. I actually changed the tape strategies almost every day based on what we were finding. And the first thing we started noticing is the swelling went away. Then he was starting to move a little bit better. Then I was able to get him on uh, the treadmill unweighted and move him. Not unweighted, but, you know, I reduced about 30% of his body weight and had him move. Eventually had him jog. Uh, eventually had him change directions on the treadmill. Eventually had him doing sprint intervals on the treadmill. Come Saturday, he was 100%. And uh, uh, the short story is he was able to perform that weekend they won. He was chosen. He went to Dallas for the Olympic Development Program, competed in the Nationals. They won. And, and all, all I get was these emails from his mom saying, you know, I don't know what you did, but, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you. So I attribute 90% of that outcome to the use of that rock tape. For whatever it's worth, what you guys are doing are making a difference for a lot of people. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a story that I love hearing stories like that, and I love um Hearing how a simple piece of tape can can augment somebody's recovery process, especially somebody that's that's looking to go where where he was going, and um, so these are stories that we hear day in and day out, um, still um, uh, attempting to improve our protocols to maximize the benefit even further. So I love hearing stories like that. So let's let's visit uh, some more details about the application because I know people are probably listening and they're thinking. I've got this or that going on, and how can this help me? So I wrote an article a while back, you know, and I have to attribute most of my learning from what I learned from you. It's important that you know that 
if I've said anything, it's because I got it from you. And the experience <laughs> I've gained from, from the application over time, you know, because, sure. you know, it becomes an art form after a while. I, I bet you got yeah. people that send you videos or clips of the little artwork they did with their taping strategy all, all the time, sure. I guess, huh? Sure. Yeah. So anyway, um, what I understand this, and, and again, you, you, you're the guy, so correct me because I'm, I'm a student. Um, what I understand is that with most issues anywhere along the body, from a standpoint of application, there's two things that we're trying to accomplish. One, we want to stabilize a region, and then two, offer some decompression. Is that correct? It is. And can you expound on that more eloquently? Well, um, let's kind of talk about the application of tape as a general rule. Um, we try to demystify or simplify the application of kinesiology tape. Uh, for quite some time, there's been uh, some education in respect to kinesiology tape in the direction of tape, how to apply the tape correctly to have a specific effect. Unfortunately, the research isn't supporting this, that directional taping, taping origin to insertion, insertion to origin, in fact, has a specific effect of either turning on or turning off a muscle. So what we did is we take the, the model of taking the skin to stimulate the mechanoreceptors, as we spoke of earlier, to improve our kinesthetic awareness. And due to the elastic qualities of the tape, that it, that it has a decompressive effect, a, a biomechanical lifting effect on the skin and fascia, those are the two things that we focus on, uh, proprioceptive input from the tape on the skin and to improve fluid dynamics of the air that's being taped. So our, our taping methodology has been simplified to have a three-step process. Uh, first and foremost, you want to know what structure you're on. Um, potentially, you can do this on your own from self-diagnosis and saying, if I strain my calf with a specific run, you understand how to stretch the calf muscle uh, reasonably. Um, so that's step one, is stretching the tissue that you're going to be taping. Step two, as you, as you uh, described, is stabilizing. And stabilizing is probably not the best word in respect to what we're doing because we're not stabilizing a structure to offload it. It's not going to uh, support an ankle, for example, as you brought up, from inverting any further, from rolling any further. But what it does is it stimulates the skin, as we said, to give us feedback when we start to invert or start to roll the ankle to activate specific muscles to limit that from occurring. So the, the word stabilization uh, is is probably not the most correct term to use. It's, it's stabilizing the system through the nervous system, if you will. But step two is stabilizing it with a strip of tape over the area of concern. And then step three is decompressing, which is a, a tape that we apply over the, the epicenter of pain, the, the main area of discomfort or swelling, we put a perpendicular strip of tape, uh, which we call the decompressive strip, to, to magnify the lifting of the skin away from the fascia or away from the muscle that's been uh, traumatized. So three steps. First, we stretch the tissue. Secondly, we apply a, a, a linear strip of tape, which we call the stabilization strip, over the area of complaint. And third, we apply a perpendicular strip, and we call it X marks the spot right over the area or the epicenter of pain. Okay, so I want people to try to visualize this. So, for yeah. example, with a calf strain, yeah, uh, and I see a lot of that because most of the people that I deal with 
are either trying to find their way into a midfoot running style coming away from being heel strikers and overstriders, and because a calf has not been adequately engaged in their previous running experience, all of a sudden this, this guy's getting woke up and, and he's incapable of taking on the newfound stresses of engaging the calf. So uh, overuse injuries associated with calf Achilles and even ev- eventually plantar fasciitis. Uh, and, I, and I, you know, again, correct me, you're, you're the guy. Uh, I, I've always believed that where the, the injury tends to manifest is in, in the weakest point in that chain. Uh, would you find that to be fairly correct? I would. All right. So uh, what I do is I'll, I'll start with the tape, uh, maybe an inch, two inches at the base of the heel, and you know, as you suggested, put a light stretch. So I put them in dorsiflexion. They're going to point their toe up towards their, their knee a little bit. And then I'll, I'll reach the tape up to uh, the base of the calf, maybe a little further up, and lay it down with, that, with a, like, minimal stretch through the area between the heel and the calf, you know, like maybe a 50% stretch, and then lay it down without any stretch on, on the end point lay it down, and then I I tend to put a supportive strip almost over top of that where I split the tape where it engages the outer aspects of the calf muscle and lay it down. And I've had really good luck with that. I know it's a little departure from what you guys do. You're typically saying that you would put this first strip down and refer that to being the stability strip and then use a decompressive strip uh, crossways at the epicenter of pain, which would be wherever it might be, right, uh, at the base of the calf or even at the, somewhere along the, the ankle, right? Right. Uh, uh, I, think, I, think, I think when, when we're talking about the, the simplified approach, this three-step model works classically the best. Now, we say it ourselves that we have an open-source model of, of education. We take the input from people like yourself that have had years of experience taping individuals within their own community and said, listen, I see a lot of calf strains, and this approach, just like you described, has a significant effect on pain and performance. So uh, we'll never stand here, especially with rock tapes, saying that this technique that we teach is the only way. It's, it's a way. It's, it's a way that we found to be most effective uh, and lessens the stress on the tissue that we're dealing with. What I've been doing, and I'm sure to some degree you probably do the same thing, is I'm always experimenting. And it's like yeah. my wife sits back and she's fascinated by what I'm going to do next when, because someone may come to me on um, many, many occasions for the same problem and they leave with various taping strategies. And it's a lot of times my curiosity. I'm just wondering, wonder if I do it this way, whether this will be better. And I usually go back and I query them later say, well, uh, the way I've taped you this way versus the way I taped you last t- time, w- which way do you like best? Right. And uh, what, what do you think has given you the, the most relief or benefit? So I never really know either what I'm going to do when I do it. I just try to think about, like you suggested, the structure and what it is I'm trying to accomplish and you know where the issues are, are manifest and then try to figure out a unique way to try to abate the problem. And I do the same thing on myself, incidentally. And the strategy I, uh, I suggested earlier about the calf, I used on myself to great end. I found that when I first learned to run midfoot, I was having a lot of trouble with my calves. And 
it took me about two weeks. I was taping probably every day for about a week and a half, up to two weeks. And I could run with zero pain while I was taped. And when, uh, you know, eventually I just took it off and I was fine. I didn't have any problems anymore, which is the case with a lot of the people I see. Because, I mean, that really, you know, at the end of the day, that's principally the, the biggest complaint that I find because of the nature of what we're doing, which is to try to teach people to run correctly. And they just, they have overuse injuries associated with it. They 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 put in too many miles too early in a new technique and they're just not prepared and or there's they're not allowing their heel to touch down so they're they're harboring a big contraction in the calf and that it tends to overload the calf and Achilles complex and then they end up having problems down there. So talk to me about um back issues because I know that's pretty much where your career began or you probably spent a ton of time there, right? Right. It's probably the number one thing that I see on a daily basis, uh, regardless of the athlete that I'm dealing with. So tell me about successful approaches to dealing with back problems with the tape. Uh, the tape's been um, superior in any other modality that I've used in respect to chronic or acute uh, back pain. I'll tell you how I use it, and it applies to other areas of the body. We we're just talking about the calf, but let me kind of give you a, a strategy that I, I may apply in respect to back pain. Uh, an athlete comes in, lower back pain with um, greater than five miles of running, um, seems to be dull and achy, uh, improves with icing and anti-inflammatory approaches. So I start thinking, okay, so I don't want this athlete to continually have to take a, a non-steroidal uh, anti-inflammatory drug to manage their symptoms. Uh, there's manual therapies that I can provide to give them some relief. There's physical modalities that we can do, electrical stim and laser. There's plenty of things that we can do to get people out of pain. But it's really trying to figure out some type of modality that manages their symptoms when they're doing their activity. We can't follow them along with a electrical stim unit. I can't do a manipulative, you know, procedure on them uh, five miles into their run. So what I was looking for as a practitioner is something that can give them the sensory cues to decrease pain and, and fluid dynamic cues to, to decrease inflammation while they're doing their activity. That doesn't restrict their range of motion. And thankfully, I was brought to, to the attention of, of kinesiology tape, and uh, it's the easiest tool to apply. So what I what I would use the tape for initially, it was tape the local area. They're saying I'm having back pain at my L5 area. I taped their back. And same, similar to what we described in respect to the calf, we'll do the three-step process. Very simple. We have them stretch the area as best as they can. We apply stabilization strips over the area of, of discomfort. And then I apply a perpendicular strip, which we call the decompressive strip, over the epicenter of pain. Usually it looks like a big H on their lower back, one on either side of their spine and one that goes perpendicular or horizontally across the area of discomfort. And as simple as that, uh, that tape can help to decrease pain and improve inflammation control so that athlete can continue to run with less pain and less inflammation. And it doesn't change their movement dynamics. Uh, let me let me rephrase that. It It, it doesn't restrict their movement so then they can continue to be an athlete. It has a significant effect on their movement dynamics. So that's my, my step one approach. I'm going to deal with the individual that's coming into my office. 
for pain and inflammation, and tape is, a, is another tool that I can use that they can lead with and extend the benefits of my therapy for three to five days. Huh. So let me go a little, a little bit further. So that athlete comes back, and just like we described earlier, they say significant effects on, on a you know a majority of cases, significant improvements in my pain and in, uh, inflammation. Um, but I still have pain when the tape comes off. Um, uh, I'm noticing that I have pain, and then they start to evaluate their movement further, and I have pain when I uh, bend over to pick up my my child, for example. And, and now I start saying, okay, well, there's some movement dysfunction that's going on here that may be precipitating this back pain that, that is leading to the back pain. And we talked about this kinetic chain model. I start to evaluate the kinetic chain and saying, well, what movement dynamics or dysfunction is going on that may be leading to this lower back pain? And through the evaluation, I start to decide that maybe it's a thoracic or mid-back immobility issue or a hip immobility or an instability of the foot and ankle. And I start using the tape as a, as a tool to change the way that the person's moving. So if I find that they're slumping a lot, I apply the tape now not for just pain and inflammation control. Now I'm trying to change this person's posture both statically in their work environment, for example, and, and, and even cooler, dynamically in their running gait, uh, to change the way that they move to take the stress off the lower back. So now the tape becomes more of a diagnostic tool. It tells me that, yeah, the back pain is, is truly what they're coming in for, but the dysfunction is in the way that they have their arm swing or that they do overstride or they have a crossover gait that leads the stress to the lower back, but but the tape allows me to decipher that it's somewhere else in the kinetic chain that I need to address. Okay, can I stop you for a sec? Because you, yes. you said something that was very interesting to me, and I, I want to I build on that real quickly, and I'll let you tell the rest of the story. But sure. a crossover gate. So I'm trying to envision what you're saying here. So this would be in the case where someone would basically be stepping over maybe their light left foot ahead or uh, across the body in front of their right foot. Even right, a midline, just, over the so, midline, yes. Yeah, so then what ends up happening is their hip will dip, right? Because they lose stability when they're when they're no longer posting their foot underneath their hip. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. And so through the tape, you're creating some kinesthetic awareness that helps to remind the person that this is a dysfunction that they need to to correct. Uh, even even without them being conscious of it, it st- starts to. Um, create an effect to abate that problem, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a subconscious dysfunction to begin with. They're, they're coming in looking for help. They're saying, I'm, I'm not sure why my back is so painful. And they, we, might, we want to believe that it's the back specifically, but in the case of evaluating somebody's movement that you do every day, for example, and you start to notice that the crossover gait, that foot crossing the midline, even more importantly, worse on one side versus the other, is having uh, an effect, an ill effect on their lower back to be able to manage the dipping of that hip as we discussed. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just just found that to be a fascinating uh, point of interest, and I wanted to build on it because, you know, we get people all the time, and it's interesting because I'm not in the business of therapy. You know, I'm in the business of preventative medicine, if you were to give it a name, because we, we're a corrective process. We're trying to show people how to run so that they don't hurt. And, you know, right. as opposed to people that are, you know, they're in this therapeutic intervention cycle where, 
you know, they're having to see somebody three times a week, and they're basically putting out the fire and putting them back out in the woods to burn again, you know. They don't, they don't ever correct the cause of the problem. And so the way I see my relationship with this therapeutic intervention is to try to help people to make the right choices in the way they move so that they're less likely to hurt themselves. And as you suggested, a lot of times it, these are unconscious faults. They don't know that they're doing what they're doing. And they can't put a they, they can't put their finger on why they're being hurt. Absolutely. So again, I'm I'm really curious about the back issue. So you're telling me that by applying the tape, this kinesthetic awareness helps to start changing our posture. Is that right? Absolutely. Build on. I that think it's, it's it's one of the coolest things that tape you know, provides. Uh, I initially started using the tape as we discussed earlier, to help people in pain and, and to control inflammation. This is the number one reason people come in and seek professional care. Um, so what a cool tool to use rather than prescribing uh, over-the-counter or, pres- or prescription drugs that we can control pain and inflammation. But even more interesting is the application of tape to change the way that we move. And this is the direction of, of rehabilitative medicine is, is lessening the focus on, on the, or, or the, the location of pain and really dealing with what are the movement dynamics, what are the movement dysfunctions that are typically preceding these painful episodes. And this can happen um, in many different ways. And as we discussed earlier, it's subconscious. Majority of us are subconsciously dysfunctional. We we have some type of fault, but we just don't know it. And it may take somebody that has a, a professional guidance to be able to make it more clear, to give you conscious awareness of where those dysfunctions are. But if we can augment that conscious awareness by simply putting a strip of tape onto the back, say we're taking somebody that has a slumping posture or they have a forward shoulder roll um, in their running gait, if we're talking about runners, if we can simply put a piece of tape that gives the individual awareness of that slumping posture so then they can actively, and this is the important part here, Richard, is, is that the tape isn't structurally supporting something. That's why I had difficulty with the term stabilization strip in into the three-step process of taping because the tape isn't necessarily stabilizing structurally. It is stabilizingly stabilizing the system actively. It's stimulating the skin to get you to make the correction, to you for you to activate the appropriate muscles to make the correction and improving your posture. If it was a uh, a rigid strap, for example, that maintained the position, sure, you'll make a change in your in your posture, but it doesn't actively help to control the movement. So you're going to be reliant on that strap. But elastic therapeutic tape, the tape gives you a stimulus and it forces you to engage the appropriate muscles to make the change. So hopefully we can start to ingrain a new pattern of movement and that may be, you know, static posture to dynamic movement through a running gait. I have another client that will probably listen to this show as well. Who I met her in uh, 2009, and when she came to see us, you know, we have a little questionnaire people fill out to kind of let us know why they're there. And she was having uh, issues with, uh, uh, she was fighting plantar fasciitis in one foot. You know, we first of all looked at the way she was running. She was a heel striker, and there was a lot of stuff going on. 
And we, we corrected that and got her running on her midfoot, and she was doing pretty well for a while. Pain was going away. It was, it was a slow train. It took, it took a long time for that, 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 that injury to, to subside. But eventually, you know, here we are now in 2013. She's still my client. We still work, and she trains with us and what have you. And she's in her 60s, by the way. And she ended up with a, a stress fracture in her second met. And then her her doctor put her in a boot for uh, six or eight weeks. And I was really at ends with this boot, I, I, I got to tell you, because she's trying to walk around, and the boot is significantly higher than her shoe. Right. So now her gait is altered. So now her back's starting to bother her because she's, she's uneven. And, you know, I have a problem with trapping an injury because my, my thinking is is that the atrophy that's going to set in because you're no longer able to have any activity or movement in that region, that the healing process is going to be more difficult. You know, here I'm telling her to get into a neutral shoe and teach the foot to do the right thing, and her doctor's telling her to put on a real cushy shoe and put on this, this boot for six weeks. And it went from one foot, then it went to the other foot. And, you know, they were diagnosing some issues with uh, osteoarthritis. They are saying that her bones were very brittle to begin with. So now we're, we're, we're at a – I made a joke with her this morning because I've been working with her, and she's back to moving without the boot now. And I'm trying to – I've got her going, doing some drills barefoot, some stabilization drills. We're balancing on one foot barefoot. A lot of things without shoes, without support. And she can do, she ran around the track today a couple times on the infield, on the grass, barefoot, zero pain, zero problem. And she keeps looking at me, she goes, you know what, I don't want to get in that boot again, I don't want to put that boot on again. And I, I told her, I made a bet with her, I said, if, if you have to put a boot back on based on the things we're doing, I'll wear the boot with you until you have to take it off. So uh, give me some feedback on, on this, I want to refer to as old school treatment for an injury like that. Would you recommend putting somebody in this total casting position for an injury, something like that? Uh, that's, a, that's a tough uh, question to answer due to the fact that it's, you know, each individual is, is uh, it, there's a specific need for each individual depending on the extent and the location of the of the of the problem. Metatarsal, uh, metatarsalgia, metatarsal um, stress fractures are relatively common. And I guess the standard of care is to offload the individual. They're doing a better job uh, in respect to rigid um, boot environments where they understand that the the unleveling effect uh, has a significant effect of the kinetic chain, and they're giving these individuals um, the uh, a lift with the uh, opposing shoe or the contralateral shoe to, to offload that that discrepancy. So they're they're doing a better job to offload the the ill effects of these boots on the, the rest of the kinetic chain. Some individuals really do require uh, the boot, and I think some individuals I may even recommend because they're sitting in my office that there's no. Um, inkling of, of uh, understanding of the injury and they're going to continue to run on on that foot that is that's having the effect and sometimes I'll even tell them that the boot is required um, uh, to lessen further injuries. So to get that individual into a boot is going to lessen them from putting more stress on the area during that phase of recovery. Uh, but I think less is more um, and I think this is the 
the thought of the of the of the day is that by applying a, a simple elastic strip of tape can actively make a correction by putting somebody from a more cushy shoe or a rigid shoe to a, a, a less supportive shoe and forcing the system to actively manage our own body weight is the direction that we should be fostering. And this is the direction that I foster, that each individual is going to have a specific reaction to this this progression from more support to less support. So we just need to be cognizant of, of those differences and, and manage the issues that come about. You said it yourself, your calves were problematic when you started to make that transition to a midfoot strike. Uh, and that's not atypical. It's something that I see quite often. So we manage it by controlling volume and controlling the progression that the individual is going through. We can manage it through using uh, elastic therapeutic tape, as in rock tape, to offload the stresses on the tissues. So I think the direction is going the less is more. That may be with a rigid boot or a shoe, and that's a direction that I foster as well. You know what I did? Uh, that I, I, I tried to negotiate with her in respect to this. Uh, I mean, I get it. The bone is stressed. The bone is in a bad place. And, you know, any kind of flexion or extension of that, that region uh, puts her in a bad place. So I looked all through my garage. I, I, I played MacGyver. I looked for something I could put under her insole that would create a rigidity underneath her the ball of her foot to her toes, but still allow her to be in a fairly minimal shoe so that we don't kill the ankle, we don't kill the calf, and we let some of the fascia do what it's supposed to do. So I, I basically trapped the metatarsal so that it couldn't flex uh, or can't be, you know, extended. Yeah. And so I, I, I cut a piece of, it was probably a veneer of um, an eighth of an inch oak, and I formed it to the forward portion of her of her insole, and I sanded it so there was no rough edges or no ridge, uh, you know, that it, it kind of contoured to the out, outer parts of the, the foot and stuck it under her insole, and she was fine. She could actually run on that thing. <laughs> well, that's, you're you're definitely not the typical. Uh, I think you just needed a paperclip and some bubble gum, and you would be MacGyver in that case. But uh, <laughs> I, I love the idea. Trust me, uh, I, you and I are on the same page in respect to this. Less is more. Uh, the rigid boot. It, if you look at these boots, the typical ones they put them in are going to restrict multiple areas of of uh, motion. They're restricting not only just the metatarsal. Um, uh, structure. They're they're limiting the movement of the foot itself. They're limiting the movement of the ankle, the talocrural joint, um, and this significantly has an effect, an ill effect over time. We're talking four to six weeks on average for these individuals. So if we can minimize the uh, amount of restriction and, and really maximize the area that we're trying to control, like you're doing with this, the the MacGyver, MacGyver uh, footbed. I think that's the direction, but it's just not the, the standard of care right now. So it's our job as those that are that are uh, professionals in the community to start fostering this idea and, and building the research to support it as well, because ultimately we do have to support the idea of less is more with better research. Well, I you know, I guess I have a, a bit of a, a wild card uh, <laughs> in that, you know, I'm not a medical professional, Right. And, you know, I basically signed off on it. I said, look, you know, if anything goes wrong, if you find any discomfort, any problems whatsoever, we're taking this out and we're going back in the boot. But right. just as an experiment, if you're game and you want to try it, let's let's just take it nice and slow. 
let's see if we could just protect that metatarsal and let the rest of the foot get back in the game so that we don't lose all this other functionality in the course of trying to allow that, that healing process. And so what was interesting about it that I find is that in, in the world of recovering from injuries as an athlete, is that so the doctor prescribes this boot for six weeks, then he takes it off and says, voila, okay, you're good to go. That's so right. they jump right back in the game, and they got all this other disruption going on now. They're, they're not even moving the way they were before they injured themselves. And they, they really have to retrain themselves back to a place where they're moving correctly, and they're at a disadvantage uh, coming out of that straight into trying to act as they acted before. Would you, you find that to be pretty common? Uh, very common. It's, uh, it's probably the, the most common presentation you'll get with anyone coming out of the food. So uh, I would agree totally. Yeah, so I just thought that if we could keep her in the game, protect her as best we could, but let the rest of the structure do what it's supposed to do, that that would be far and away more effective in her getting back into uh, the thing that she loves, which is to run. Right. So I know she's a more approach. Yeah. I know she's listening, and I needed you to get my back on this because she's been looking at me kind of fish-eyed lately. She's healed. She's better. But uh, I need her to have some faith. I need her to slow down. I need her to take it slow this time, uh, but I, I definitely want to see her. Because I took pictures. I should sh send you a picture of the shoe that they prescribed to her. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised what I see, and I, I'm in your corner on this one as well. So I, I think you're you're definitely in the right direction. And you have the, the benefit of, of, of witnessing and, and watching the individual move. So I think you even have a, a hand up on the majority of practitioners that, don't watch their, their athletes, their athlete patients move, that they don't have that knowledge. So you do have more of an effect on, on the people that you come into contact with than the majority of practitioners. Right. So let's talk about the Rock Doc Cert. You guys are still doing that? Absolutely. So you've been essentially, you and I, I think was it Justin Brink uh, is with Correct. you? Uh, you got a handful of Rock Docs that are going out and doing these uh, certification symposiums. Uh, where are you now? You got you got a schedule coming? Yeah, I, well, I'm doing one this weekend. I'm in San Francisco this weekend. Uh, we have a group of sixty to sixty plus uh, practitioners, and, and practitioners. I, I want to uh, define what that is. We we have any movement specialists, is what basically what we're trying to um, attract are those that are in, uh, working with individuals that want to maintain their movement. So we have physical therapists, chiropractors, massage therapists, uh, athletic trainers, um, uh, sports performance trainers, um, those that are dealing with individuals that move. So those are the people that we're fostering uh, the Rock Kids uh, certification to. And now you're international now. You've, you've got this going on all over the world now, don't you? Yeah, well, we've been, uh, we have um, team, uh, teams in Australia, the U.K., Germany, Switzerland, Mexico, uh, like I said, this year we're going to be going into South Africa, Brazil, Chile. Uh, we're up in Canada. I just launched Canada this this, uh, this year, so we're, we're definitely we're in we're in throughout the U.S. But uh, it's it's growing, as we said as at the beginning of this uh, of this interview, and um, and I think we're going to continue to grow because the research is is really stepping up and supporting the idea of of uh, elastic therapeutic taping in respect to pain and performance. 
So I got one more question for you. Um, well, first, first of all, for someone to that's interested in becoming a rock doc, tell them how to find that out. Go, go to the website, uh, rocktape.com. If you if you click on the upper right hand corner, there's uh, drop down uh, windows for training, and you'll see that the different types of training that we have. Uh, we have um, the fascial movement taping certification level one and two. Uh, level one is more just for pain and inflammation protocols. Level two is really focusing on movement dynamics, movement assessment, um, and movement taping, taping for movement versus uh, specific isolated muscles. And uh, within that drop-down, they have our um, other certifications, which we've developed, which is a power taping protocol, which is more for the fitness and um, uh exercise community um, and CrossFit community that we've been promoting the, the tape to, and then a RockFit program for personal trainers that we're just developing this year. And uh, so the, the question I had for you is uh, give me a real brief comparative. I mean, there's I have people all the time coming to me and say, well, what about this spider tape and what about this KT tape? And now all these different tapes are showing up on the on the horizon can you give me what you would consider to be the biggest distinction between what you guys are doing with your tape versus some of the others? First and foremost, the, the kinesiology tape, like I said, has been around for 30 years. There's some great companies out there that are doing some great work. The major distinction between rock tape um, and the others that are out in the market, and this is the one thing that you introduced Greg Bendendries at the beginning, Greg is the mastermind behind what rock tape is. And what Greg did initially, if I can say a quick story, is Greg was um, in the process of development of this product um, because of an experience that he had cycling. And Greg's a, an avid cyclist, had a calf strain, as we discussed earlier, and had tape applied, uh, one of the competitors, tape applied, and he found it to be significant in, in controlling his pain and inflammation. But what the problem was is the tape fell off. Um, and so Greg, being the mastermind that he is and having a background in textiles, decided to make the tape better. So what he did is he found a, um, a manufacturer that was able to make the tape with a greater or a more significant adhesive uh, quality and a greater elasticity that allowed for greater range of motion. What this did is it provided... Um, the, the community that wanted the the tape to stick and stay um, uh, with a better uh, quality uh, product. So what we say that the major distinctions are is that we're stretchier, we have a greater elasticity, we're stickier, and we have uh, a greater variety of, of colors, if you will, in respect to the the, uh, the tape that we offer. Well, I, I have to tell you that when I tape somebody, it stays. And yeah. I've had people that, that don't do as good a job as I do. I think a lot of it's got to do with prep, and I learned that from you. Uh, yeah. if, I think if people take the time to really do a good job prepping the skin before they apply the tape, they get a lot more yardage out of it. And, you know, you're paying for the tape. I mean, if you could have the tape stay for five days instead of, instead of having a tape two or three times in the week, you know, you're saving yourself a buttload of money over time if, if you're if you're taping a lot. Right. So, and so, like we said, the adhesive is superior than the others, but that, that being said, you do want to prep the skin, like you said. So make sure it's clean and dry of any oils or creams. 
uh, and then as you apply the tape, less is more. And we talked about the less is more concept in respect to a boot or a shoe, but in respect to the elasticity of the tape, you don't need to overstretch the tape to have a specific effect. The tape has an inherent elasticity in it just right off the paper backing. So I, I typically tape with less stretch, and it usually lasts longer. It has less risk of skin irritation due to the less elastic recoil. And uh, and it and it maintains on the skin a much longer. Well, I'm a fan. You know, you know that. And so, right. listen, Steve. One day, one day soon, I need to get together with you guys. And I know we've got some plans to do some things in the near future. I know you're a very very busy guy, but uh, I'm absolutely on on board with your 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 approach to things. I love that you're such a heavy educator, which I think is one of the principal differences between what you're doing and the rest is that you guys are out there teaching people how to use this stuff and uh, that's the deal it's just like me and heart rate you know you got to teach them and the consumers are hungry for information i really enjoyed speaking to you i actually need to do one of your rock docs or you came and you did the thing with us at our certification but i, I would really like to get into more of this performance oriented taping with you like i said before you'd be a great um, addition to the, you know, every training that I do, I, I meet, you know, a handful of, of individuals that help to augment our education, help to augment our protocols that we offer. Uh, we're an open source, like I said earlier, so uh, you may have gotten some ideas from me, but from what I learned when I when I was working with you, it allowed me to better understand running and to apply tape for the running community. So we, it's a synergistic relationship. You're more than welcome at any time to, to get involved. So you can just contact us uh, and we'll set that up. But uh, right. I can't wait to work with you again in the future. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm going to sign off. Good luck to you guys. I hope to see you soon, buddy. Great. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Well, friends, it's time to bring another show to a close. Be sure and tune in to us next week. We've got a lot of great content in store for you. I want you to tell your friends to check us out. You can always find us on Facebook. Simply go search the Natural Running Network. Drop us a message. I'd love to learn more about you and the things you do. And until then, you have an amazing day.